What does it actually mean to be a bad bitch? I'm your host, Valerie Martin, and if you're asking me, it means being fully alive, unstoppable, kicking ass at the things that light you up, and being permanently unavailable for the things that make you feel like shit. Whether you're a boss bitch business owner or just someone who goes hard on your personal and professional growth, buckle the fuck up and get ready to be inspired, challenged, and take action. Let's do this, boo. All welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to share today's guest with you. She is like my future self, which will make more sense when you hear the conversation in a minute. She's like who I aspire to be in 15 years, as I told her, sans the kids part. She's amazing, and I can't wait for you to meet her. Before that, I am starting off each of these episodes, since this is a brand new format and I get to play with it, with what I'm watching, reading, and loving recently. So I'll start with watching and, you know, always watching more than one thing, as you guys know, but I'm just going to share one. Abbott Elementary, just finishing, I think, the second season, and it's so good. Highly recommend. Kind of an office-style, Parks and Rec-style show on, I can't remember what network, but look it up. It's on Hulu. Abbott Elementary, highly recommend. Reading, Again, several things. You Are More Than You Think, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life by Kimberly Snyder. Caveat, I do not know this woman. I have not like done a deep dive on her, so I'm not like blank blanket recommending her for everything. But the book so far, I'm enjoying. It's She's sharing Yogananda's teachings. I don't think Yogananda has fallen from grace. I'm going <laughs> to, that's uh, the autobiography of a yogi is one of his very famous books. He's one of those, you know, gurus who came over from India in like the 60s or something like that. And, and yeah, so I'm enjoying the book so far. It's really kind of that like power of now-ish style of reminding ourselves what really matters, who our true self is, but through the lens of ancient yoga philosophy teachings that come through this more modern-ish teacher. So that is the book I'm reading and what else I'm loving, which this can be anything, is heroin sport. So it is just heroin with an E, sport.com. And they are a clothing line, totally not sponsored, but I just got some things from them recently and they're so beautiful. They have this collection called Marvels that is, they're like these stunning metallic like leggings and sports bras and kind of matchy things so it's very much like in the athleisure category but think metallics and iridescence and oh my gosh so beautiful I can't wait to do a photo shoot with some of my new heroin stuff so highly recommend that all right let's get into the bio for our guest today Jen Vertinen is a certified life coach, mentor, and writer who helps amazing women answer the question, what's next? Regardless of the transition they're in, whether it's a soon-to-be empty nester, a recent divorcee, a retiree who wants to move to the mountains of Ecuador, and everything in between, with her signature humor and candor, Jen wants the world to know it's never too late and you're never too old, but you do kind of need to get going. Jen lives in Minnesota with her husband, last kiddo at home, and two noofs. When she's not working, you can find her reading erotica, planning her next trip, having a conversation with her 80-year-old self, more in the interview on that, 
or enjoying a glass of dry red or a fancy cocktail made from the tears of little children. Just kidding. <laughs> you can learn more at jenvertanen.com and that's V-E-R-T-A-N-E-N. That will be in the show notes along with her Instagram and TikTok. And let's get into the conversation with Jen. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited for this conversation. Thank you for having me. I've been on pins and needles all day. Yay. So I would just love to hear starting off, maybe tell us a little bit about what you've been up to today. What has your day, we're recording this on a Friday. What has your Friday looked like? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm both a, a life coach and I have a day job as a project manager. So most of my day has been my day job, but I'm one of those odd ones that actually loves what I do. And I love being able to have the the space, the time, the flexibility to, to do both. Um, so I've oh, been on meetings. That. I'm party on top or yeah, business on top, party <laughs> on the bottom. Yes. <laughs> I have my superhero pajama pants on and that's how I go about my days. I love it. You just this is the first time we're really talking. We've emailed mm-hmm. a little bit back and forth, but I, like from your website and just communicating with you over email, like you are just so unapologetically authentic. And that is just mm-hmm. like my whole thing that I love too. So I, I just, I know this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you got to this place of you know, having this job that you love, but then also Mm -hmm. having this entire coaching world that you're passionate about. So I won't give the entire long history, but about 12 years ago is probably when I hit my personal midlife crisis or one of them, we'll say one of them Mm. at age 40. I had been one of the top performers at my company. I'd been there 14 years. And all of a sudden in that last year, I had mental health issues going on. I had other personal issues. And I went from being kind of considered towards the top to really being in the bottom performing. And that was very hard because no one asked me along the way, hey, Jen, what's up? How are you doing? And it made me really realize that, you know, a a business, I am a number, right? Mm. It is a transactional. They're not there to be concerned with mental health, etc. Now I work with many people today that absolutely are, but it really made me realize that this was a very transactional sort of sort of thing. And so mm-hmm. I left corporate for 15 months and I decided I wanted to become a health coach. And so I actually went through integrative uh, Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And that really set me down the path of coaching. But through the years, I had dabbled in life coaching and health coaching and business coaching, especially with my corporate background. And I really settled on life. Where it really kicked in, though, I was kind of playing at it. But when I turned 45, which was in 2015, I had two events happen. One is that I thought that walking away from my husband, mind you, the one person who'd always had my back, always supported me, Mm. I thought walking away from my marriage was going to be the thing that would finally fix my life. And an email from my mom that literally swept all the years of abuse under the rug. So that was Uh, my personal, I'll call it my second midlife, Mm -hmm. we'll call it awakening or revival, as I like to say. But it was just through healing my own, myself from loneliness, healing my marriage, healing from childhood traumas. I just, it it made me realize that I do have a gift and a gift for coaching and to really get serious about this and help other women. So it's now almost eight years later and I'm a much different person than I was eight years ago when when those two things happened. Mm. 
So wow. long story so, short. <laughs> no, that's what so powerful. There's one point in there I'm just going to touch on um, yeah. briefly, and there might be several that we come back to. But when you said the piece around, like, I thought, you know, if I just left my marriage, like yeah. that would be the thing that would take my life in the direction, in the right direction. And that is one thing I'm really passionate about speaking to and, and having conversations around because it's almost like one of these things where the pendulum has swung mm-hmm. in the opposite direction. And there are like, I remember, so I, in a little bit of, of personal stuff that I went, had gone through a phase where I was like, oh my God, is my marriage like not it? Do I mm-hmm. need out of here? And then I happened to be reading this little book by Cheryl Strayed, I think Tiny Beautiful Things. She's just a bunch of essays. <laughs> and one of them essentially yeah. was just like, you know, if you have any doubts, just leave. Like, it's mm. just, if it's not right, it doesn't have to make sense. You you know, everything can be right on paper, but if something doesn't feel right, leave. You don't need a re- And um, it fucked me up. And like, I yeah. was seriously getting to that point too of like, do I need out of this? And thank God- we ended up doing couples counseling, which is one of the things that couples in sex therapy that led me into now actually wanting to do couples in sex therapy. Mm, Whereas I before that. I had no interest in it. Shocking. I had not done my own work. Right. But, but yeah. So hearing that that's also a similar path. Yes. Mm-hmm. Historically women have needed permission to leave. Right. And sometimes mm-hmm. depending on each unique scenario, we need that permission to, to give to ourselves that we can leave. However, yeah. I think what gets lost in the contemporary conversation is, you know what? Maybe you're looking to fix your life and that actually ain't it. <laughs> Bingo. I like to say wherever you go, there you are. Because yes. that was that was me in a nutshell. Wherever I went, there I was. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and, and yeah. And, and thankfully I realized it. Right, right. And sometimes that does mean you grow apart from a partner and it's wonderful or it's sad or it's all of it. And sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, in your case and in my case, like the the relationship was able to evolve too. Right. Yeah. Eight years later now. And I just, I can't, I'm so excited to be growing old with this person. So excited. I love it. Cool. So you are obviously very well qualified to support women who are in that phase of life. And you know, I'm mm-hmm. not quite, uh, let's hope, fingers crossed, not I'm not quite, quite midlife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope to to be like you in, you know, 15 years, sans the children part. But it's, <laughs> yeah, it's women in that age range, I feel like need support with some pretty specific things and identity mm-hmm. and all that. So I just, I wonder if you could say a little bit about either just more about your own experience of this phase of life or what you see tend to be really common in terms of where women in midlife are feeling stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately my story is not all that unique. I just have the gift of being able to share it without embarrassment or shame or what have you, right? I'm of the generation Gen X where we were the first raised being told we could have it all. And I remember this, I remember these conversations distinctly with my parents of, you know, the career, the family, the house, the, you know, all of the things. And we've been slowly killing ourselves ever since because we thought that's what was expected of us, right? And all along the way, women have lost themselves. And again, it's not all that unusual, which is the really tragic thing, mm-hmm. right? But when we come to a certain age and that it, it hits everyone differently, obviously, 
it's that question of, is this even what I want anymore? Who the hell even am I looking around and thinking, is this really all there ever is? Because we've given, given, given to our careers, our families, volunteering to our aging parents, like all the things we're not taught how to do that for ourselves. We're not taught how to get our needs met. In fact, we're taught it's selfish. Sorry, I could go out. That's like my soapbox. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're taught it's selfish, right? So now you have, if you do do something for yourself, now you have this, this seed of, well, am I being selfish? Who am I to deserve this? Should I want this? So it comes with guilt and shame and it just layers on top of you. And it's women are burnt out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and again, my story is not all that unique, unfortunately. Sure. And so I think that midlife presents this opportunity where your children are, for the most part, getting older. Your parents are also getting older. So now we're in this sandwich, right? And there's right. lots of stuff about the sandwich generation. But it is that point in time where it's almost like this natural thing happens inside that makes us question who, we're, who we are, where we're at in life, what we want for our future. And so that's where I love to work with women is when they're at that point, we're like, this is not how my story ends. Mm. And then I get to help them create that story. Yeah. And so part of how you do that is through like this. Yeah. In terms of how I want to see my story, not well end, Mm -hmm. but like how I want to see myself in 10, 20, 30 years from now, like, because we know that how we live our day-to-day lives ultimately is what gets us there. Right. So what do you want your life to look like then? Because if you Mm -hmm. don't want it to feel like groundhog day for the next 30 years and then it's over, then maybe we shift something now. Yeah. Something that really helped me. And and I kid you not, I would lie in bed at night and I would worry that I was going to turn into a bitter old woman because that literally was the trajectory I was on. And I was embarrassed for my family already that people weren't going to show up to my funeral. Like I was pre-embarrassed mm. by this thought yeah. and it sounds dramatic. It sounds funny, but that's where I was. And so I also had this vision of 80 year old me that was vibrant and alive and connected and loved and, you know, just all the things. And when I kind of came to my rock bottom with almost leaving my husband and the email from my mom, I really, I I was like, okay, universe, I have a choice. I can continue going down the same path or I can pivot. And really what I did is I got in touch with that 80 year old self and just really created this rich vision of who she was, how she was living her life, what mattered to her. And then being a project manager by trade, I reverse engineered that to what are the changes? (laughs) I know it's so funny. What are the changes I can be making today Um, and you know, again, this was eight years ago. So I have eight years of this relationship with my 80 year old self. And the story I love to share is recently she was like, Jen, I want you wearing more color because my vision of her is she wears a lot of color and I wear a lot of black and gray and white today. (laughs) I mean, I have bright orange on, but this is, this is a result of continuing that relationship with 
with my 80 year old self. I bought pink fuchsia Doc Martens recently because I'm like, my 80 year old self is wearing these Doc Martens and she might not be able to buy them then. So I'm going to buy them for her today because they'll last forever. Yes. I love that so much. I just took your quiz. So on, on your website, you have the meet your future self and, and it's asked you through these lovely, it's like a little picture quiz, right? So for anyone Mm -hmm. who's imagining taking this, go do it, but it's, it's not a boring, like lengthy, you have to read a bunch of words quiz. It's like, Ooh, which one are you? And Betty, so, Dorothy, uh, Gigi. Yes, yeah. I was Edna. I, Edna's my favorite. <laughs> Fierce, yes. Yeah, so, so fun. And, and I also love how creating that relationship with that future self. I mean, future self is something that is kind of a, a, a large concept within sort of the yes, personal absolutely. growth world. But it's usually kind of more generic in the sense of like, you know, what would my future self want me to do right now? Like, well, Mm -hmm. she wants me to not buy all of these things so that I can pay off this debt, right? Like kind of generic in that sense. But what I love about your spin on it is like, no, like I'm talking yourself at 80, right? Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. not at 60, where maybe we're still in the workforce and society perceives yep. that we still have some kind of value aesthetically or commercially. I actually really love that you chose that age because it is mm-hmm. this age that often we're kind of taught like, well, you have now ceased to have any value for anyone. You put out to pasture. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And these pictures of these women, which are the ones that you've chosen, realistic, mm-hmm. they're not like these, you know... 60 year old or Helen Mirren types necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's like real women. I love so much that you're like, no, you still get to have value for as long as you're freaking Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I love adventure. I thrive on new experiences. And I'm like, I will be damned if my 95 year old self, like if she wants to jump out of airplanes, I want her to be able to do that. Right. Cause I'm not going to lose that sense. And you know, a lot of women will say, well, I can't, I can't envision tomorrow, let alone 30 mm. years from now. Sure. And it's like, that's such an indicator that it's time to do some work, right? If you can't, if you're so in that groundhog, I know it takes a little bit of time. That's why I like to come from a place of desire and fun and pleasure and, and all the things of like, let's dream and scheme about what's possible. Then mm. we'll work at, we'll work together to figure out how you get there right? It might make me, it might mean making big decisions. It might mean making small decisions, but we get so overwhelmed and I get it, right? This is how we're taught to be. We get so overwhelmed with all the things that we do nothing, Mm -hmm. right? And I just, it's like, you got to start somewhere. So let's start with a vision and then work backwards. Yeah. And it's also this kind of paradox of sometimes we can have that mindset of like, well, I just want to live in the moment. (laughs) Why do you want me to mm-hmm. think about when I'm 80? What? Like, right. I don't want to think about that. I want to think about now. And in a sense, like that may work in some aspects, but what's missing yep. is the intentionality of it, right? Because your yeah. life will just breeze by before your oh, eyes if you're not sort of living intentionally. And so what that does, it's not having this delusional thinking that we can somehow plan out the next 30 years, but it's, Mm -hmm. I need to put the destination in the GPS. I need to tell the GPS which direction I want to move in. And then I need to Mm -hmm. identify what are the kinds of actions on a day-to-day basis or the thing that I want to be at a year from now that I have to work toward to move me in that direction. Because if I'm not doing that, I'm just living reactively. 
Right, right. You get it. <laughs> Thank you for getting that. <laughs> we preach into the <laughs> choir. Yes. But no, it's that intentionality. A reel I posted today was about like you can't numb your way to change. Change mm-hmm. takes intention. Intention takes awareness. Like you, you have to pause in the moment, even if it's five seconds. Like my daily check-in with my 80-year-old self, it's literally five to 20 seconds of just, hey, how are you doing? How do you want to feel for the day? Right. And then it's like, oh, I want to be delighted by something. And then I think, okay, well, how can I delight myself today? Mm-hmm. What what little thing can I do? What little, you know, it might be even something like the scent of your dish soap, right? Mm. I use a Mrs. Myers and it's a, my senses are delighted when I do the dishes. I don't love doing the dishes, but at least I've given myself that little tiny gift for the day. Yes. Yeah. Love those little treats that the, yeah. the self-love can be in the details too. Exactly. Exactly. In the minutia. Mm-hmm. Cool. Are there any other things that you tend to see women in midlife or especially, you know, one of the, the groups that I really want to speak to here is also like fellow women, business owners, Mm -hmm. anything that you see folks getting particularly stuck on that you would love to kind of speak to. Yeah. So often we get stuck, like I was saying on the overwhelm of all the things And again, this is where my project manager hat comes in is that I help CEOs, I help C-suite executives all Mm -hmm. the way down to the people doing the work of just, you have to come up with your must-have non-negotiables. It can't be all the things. It's that old adage, if everything is priority, nothing is priority. Mm -hmm. And I think that business owners, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to get stuck and to in our heads. And my thing would be take you know, five minutes of intentional time, what are the top three go? Because we learn through doing, right? We don't learn through thinking. We learn through actually doing and having it be experiential. So let's get the process. Let's get the momentum and then trust in yourself enough that if you perhaps made the decision with the information you had at the time and it's not working out, trust yourself that you can course correct and pivot, right? Mm. So I think building that relationship with yourself where you have your own back you're making sure that your needs are getting met and that you're you're doing what you can to reduce the overwhelm, which takes yes. intention. It really does because life yeah. is throwing stuff at us constantly all the time, especially for business owners, right? It's coming yeah. at you from every angle. And when you said that, all the things, it reminded me of something else from kind of your, your story starting off mm. of being part of this generation, this first generation that's being told you can be everything. Um, mm-hmm. the author, Courtney Martin, who's probably a exennial kind of person, but she, mm. she said, our, our, our mothers told us we could be anything. And we heard, we have to be everything. I love that. Right. Yeah. We, we did, we get so many inputs all throughout our life, especially now that that's the way that we're supposed to be. And nowhere along the way are we taught how to be emotionally well. We're not taught that in school. You have to stumble your way through life to learn some of these lessons. And and I would so love if we started teaching more of this along with like financial wellness and what have you. Right. And trauma healing right? and all and that. Trauma which... And trauma healing and neurodiversity. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Which speaking of trauma, you know, I'm yeah. just going to kind of tap a little bit to go a little bit deeper. 
especially just because I know so many people are struggling with this of Mm -hmm. what is your relationship, you know, as an adult with maybe a parent who has needs from you, but even, even regardless, even if you're not in a caregiving Mm -hmm. role, like there's obviously a complicated relationship with your mom after the email, Mm -hmm. how did you decide do I want to continue to have a relationship with this person? Do I not? Yeah. If so, what does it look like? What what did that process look like for you? Mm, that is such a great question. Right. So that email was so eye-opening that she could after, because I was 45, so it's not like I was in my 20s. I wasn't in my 30s. I was mid 40s that she could come back and, and say something like this after all the conversations that we had had through the years. And it really opened my eyes to the fact that my mom was never going to be the mom I I needed. She was never mm. going to be able to give me what I needed, right? And I had a choice in the moment. Do I want to continue this relationship? And if I do, how does it need to change to support my own mental, you know, emotional well-being, right? Mm. And so two things happened. One, I started redefining the relationship with her, which looks like boundaries, right? And if there were, she could, not that she intentionally did it, but some conversations, I would feel like the scared eight-year-old. I would walk away feeling like the scared eight-year-old, right? So I I looked into, well, what is it about the conversation? What is it about my mom's behavior that has me walking away from the conversation feeling like this? Mm -hmm. And knowing that, how can I, how can I shore up myself make sure I'm in the right headspace for this conversation. And if I'm not, how do I extricate myself in a kind way, right? I don't want to be an asshole, but -hmm. in a kind way, that's kind to both she and myself. So that was one thing. The other thing was all my life, I had looked for that mama nurturing energy that I never Mm -hmm. got from my mom. I had to learn how to give it to myself. Like, It just became clear as day because at that point in time, I was also very, very lonely. I you know, for all intents and purposes, I looked like I had it all. I was very happy. I smile easily. I'm funny. I'm charming, like all of those things. But inside I was so, so lonely. So I didn't have other women in my life that I could go get this nurturing from. So one of my embarrassing stories is I would pay coaches, women coaches to validate me. I would pay thousands Mm -hmm. of dollars to be validated. But I, over time, I learned how to give that to myself. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there's so much I could cover there. Around the time, so let's see, my daughter is 18. So she was 10 when this was happening. And part of it was like giving her a hug and pulling, like getting that mama, she's very nurturing, but almost getting that nurturing energy from her. Having her in my life at that specific time was very healing for me because mm-hmm. I could, I I had to say, I didn't like the mom I had been up to that point. And it was, okay, we're doing this. We're working on ourselves. We're figuring our shit out. What is the mom that I want to be? What is the mom that my daughter needs so that she doesn't carry the same things that I do from my mom and my mom from her mom and so on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that, you know, deciding that when she's 10 and doing that work of yeah. inner parenting and then yes. knowing that that translates also to you being more the parent for her that you wish right. that you'd had. It's like a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. I never looked to her to help reparent me, but it was right. more- You're reparenting yourself and then exactly. also in learning Putting to be a better out. parent to her. Exactly. Right. 
there was a lot going on eight years ago. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No kidding. And, and that's just so powerful. I think hearing how you've navigated the messiness with your mm-hmm. mom and it's so often it is messy. There are times where it just has to be a clear, like, this is not a thing yeah. anymore. And there are other times where it's just really about me- navigating the messiness over and over again. Mm-hmm. Something I learned is my mom has now passed. It'll be two years mm-hmm. um, in a couple of months here. But I, I had to learn, especially when she was so sick, that she was a good, kind human being who deserved compassion. No mm-hmm. matter how, no matter my relationship with her, she still deserved compassion and care and love in her end of days as her body was was failing her. And that was such a healing thing for me. Again, it wasn't mm-hmm. like I set out to say, I'm going to do this. It just, because of the work I've done, I was able to show up as a very loving daughter who showed my mom love and kindness and you know all the things in her final days. And that mm-hmm. was just a beautiful, brutal, brutal experience. Yes. But I'm so glad I did the work that I could be that person for her in her final days. Mm, yes, I love that. Mm. So I'm going to throw um, in a totally different direction, throw this yeah. kind of question out to you, because especially with your project manager experience, mm. I think that's such a neat thing that you bring to your just your life, but your your coaching work too. Um, mm-hmm. If you were to think about like, someone listening who's like, I want to be more of a, of a bad bitch in my business, in my work, what would be sort of the project management (laughs) expertise other than just like, Hey, you need to identify your top three, like, you know, kind of simplify it. Is there anything from that kind of world that you feel like has just been so key to helping you or that you see really help your clients in that kind of position? Yeah. Not that I think you as a human being are a project, but I think your life can be, right? Mm. The project of your life. And it goes back to that 80-year-old self or whatever resonates with you. Who do you want to be? How do you want to feel? And then plan out how you're going to get there. Through that, along the way, you can't help but shore up your relationship with yourself. And to me, that is the most important thing that we have is our relationship to ourselves. I don't subscribe to if you can't love yourself, you can't love anyone else. Mm. But when you are emotionally well and in love with yourself, it permeates into everything you do. So if you're at that point where you feel like you're going through the motions, what have you, think about your life, again, from a project perspective. How do you define what you want it to be? And then how do you do take actions, decisions, et cetera, with intentionality until you're feeling the way you want to feel in your life? Mm, I love that because it, to me, that does such a good job of integrating. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. the brain science is like, well, it's not quite right brain, left brain, but you know what I mean? Kind of the logical and the creative elements of it kind of weaving together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, much easier to say than to do. I totally get that. And it is like the worthiest thing you'll ever do in your life. Yeah. I I always say, yeah, sure. It's easier said than done, but isn't anything worthwhile easier said than done? done? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know it's like, have your back, trust in yourself enough, love yourself just enough to do that work. 
and and not to overcomplicate it because our brains obviously love to overcomplicate. Our survival instinct loves to kick in and keep us safe from the tiger, right? Like all those things, recognize what's happening and then sidestep around it. Mm-hmm. All the while calming your nervous system, like all the things. Yes. <laughs> so yes. important. Right. Okay, so I would love to ask you what you would like to go off about today. Okay, I love this. I'm going to go off about personal development books. I have a love-hate relationship with them. (laughs) I have a gazillion. I am just as, not guilty, but I've bought all of them just like everyone else. I have huge stacks of unread. Culpable couple yeah i'm not, i know i'm not alone right no shame in that but for me they started become problematic they started interfering with my progress because here's the thing and here's what we do is we collect the books we collect the inputs we read them sometimes we get inspired but it's harder to take action right and it, if you remember back to what i said earlier like it's in the action that we actually learn we don't learn by thinking about it So without taking action, all of a sudden, you know, and everyone on social media and TikTok, et cetera, is talking about this book and all the wins they're getting and what have you, you all have some question, what's wrong with me that I'm not getting those things, Mm -hmm. right? And over time, it just deteriorates and deteriorates your view of yourself. And it adds to the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, the the everything you're carrying, that it work, it seems to work for everyone else and it doesn't work for you. So what's wrong with you? And I would argue it doesn't work for a vast majority of people. So I think they have their place. But my caution is make sure you're actually doing the work, not just reading and thinking about it. Exactly. So true. So that, that's my so sound off. True. Yes. Thank you for that. Yes. They can be inspiration, but, mm-hmm. but if not kept in check, it can just be more fodder for shame and self-criticism. I'm not exactly. doing it right. What's wrong with me? All of that. And yeah. you know, the irony too is like, I, I want you to share in a minute about your kind of your signature the way that you work with people of uh, mm-hmm. do the work, right? The irony is there's a certain book out there and a, and a very powerful, very prominent person on the internet. So I won't name her mm-hmm. by name and get sued. I know exactly her, who you mean. Yes, yes. Her book of a similar name, who probably needs to do some of that work herself mm-hmm. from herself. what I'm reading about her. So yes, maybe don't just read the book, maybe. And it's not to say you need a coach every single time you're struggling, you need a therapist, you need a coach. But there is a lot to be said for find the support you need to take the action, right? Yes. Yes. It could be a best friend. It, It could be your favorite aunt. It could be a therapist. It could be a coach. There's so many different ways. The thing is checking in with yourself. Am I at a point where I could use that support? Here's the thing too. So many of us identify as strong, independent women. And I love that about us, but it also gets in our way of getting that support. Cause again, we're told you can do and have it all. And so we think if I, if I need support, I must be somehow weak and oh, my identity is not as a weak woman. So I'm not going to do it. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do it. Just don't. 
Yes. I love it. Thank you so much. I would love to for you to tell people where they can find you online, how to connect with you, what you offer. Yeah. So my website is jenburton.com. I'm sure that'll be in show notes somewhere. Yes. Uh, Instagram, I love to hang out there. It's jenburton. Right now, I only have one-on-one offers. This year, I really want to move into group coaching. And I'm, I'm starting to put together like what that looks like. And I'm very excited about that. Going back to doing the work, I do use that phrase. She did not coin it. Of course. No, that's a gosh. It's no, so, I know. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, my thing is you got to do the work. Like, yeah. Want that so much for yourself that you're willing to go through any uncomfortability to do that. So I mm-hmm. offer one-on-one coaching right now. It's a three month container. And if you choose to extend, I certainly have ongoing options, but I, I find I work best again, project manager brain. I want to get shit done. <laughs> I work best with motivated women who are ready to dig deep, roll up their sleeves. And together we, we take a look at what is going on in your life. Where do you want to go? And how are we going to get you there? Not only physically, but mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like all of those things. We look at everything because it all works together. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. It has. Thank you. I I love that we have like mind meld going on here. I know. (laughs) It's great. Hell yeah, friend. You made it to the end. I so appreciate you tuning in. And if you enjoyed this episode, make my day by subscribing and leaving a five-star review to help other people find this podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to grab my free video training on how to get shit done toward your high priority goals without getting distracted or stuck by ADHD or squirrel brain. Just head to badbitchtherapist.co slash three tips. That's .co slash the number three tips. You can follow my antics on TikTok at badbitchtherapist and on Instagram at the same, but with dots between the words. Thanks so much for being here. Now go out there and have a great fucking day.